You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Now join your hosts, Dr. Brian Shilton and Curtis Everett. Hello everyone and welcome to a special summer edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Dr. Brian Chilton and we're so glad you joined along with us uh, for this summertime adventure. Uh, Between Season 6 and Season 7, we're going to have a special summertime series. Uh, We won't have, I can't promise how frequent we will have podcasts available over the summertime months, Uh, but we will have a few uh, episodes here and there and these uh, short a short, a much shorter uh, podcast will discuss different issues in theology, apologetics, biblical studies. Uh, church history and church life, and so again, this this is a more compact, easily digestible uh, episode than you're normally accustomed to on the regular season of the Bellator Christie podcast. And so we're thankful that you're here with us. I'll be flying solo uh, for this summertime series. Uh, we're we're enjoying a good summertime break, uh, but uh, there's still some issues we would like to discuss. And today, uh, for the inaugural edition. Of of the summertime series of the Bellator Christie podcast, uh, I'd like to discuss a, a question that was brought up to me uh, not long ago. In fact, while it's still fresh on my mind, I've, I've got an article that's coming out on bellatorchristie.com uh, on this very issue that will actually accompany uh, this article, this uh, podcast, if you go over to bellatorchristie.com. By the way, let me say real quickly that the special summertime series of the Bellator Christie podcast can only be heard on the audio apps where the podcast is found and it can also be accessed at bellatorchristie.com. So we won't have any live shows. Uh, they'll all be pre-recorded. But as we travel down the road of life, we often come across events that cause us to stop and ponder, such as observing the beauty of a mountainside or taking in the calm of the rhythmic patterns of the ocean waves. But on other occasions, we take off-ramps that force us to consider deeper-level ideas that have pervaded our communities and church life. Recently, I took one of those off-ramps when I heard some folks say something that seemed quite bizarre. Now, let me say here, this was more than just one person. This, was, this came from several people. Uh, recently, uh, within the same week, I heard uh, several people, two or three people at least, maybe more, assert that a preacher should not study for their message on Sunday. According to this logic, a preacher should not consider what message to bring prior to standing up in the pulpit. No note should be used and no outside study should be employed. According to this viewpoint, a preacher should just stand up and let the Spirit speak through them. The idea is especially fluid in Appalachian culture, particularly in certain independent uh, Baptist and even some charismatic circles. But certainly this doesn't uh, include all. We use the term some, not all. The viewpoint comes from a flawed interpretation of Jesus' messages, one particularly where Jesus said that a person should not focus on what one will say, but rather the person should depend on the Spirit for guidance. But did Jesus intend to say that a preacher should be ill-prepared for their Sunday message? Most assuredly, he did not. We will speak more on the proper interpretation of this passage of Scripture a little later. Nevertheless, when we study the totality of Scripture, we note that a preacher, and really every child of God, should be well-studied in the Word of God for three important reasons. 
Number one, a preacher should be well studied to proclaim accurate messages. I cannot stress enough the vast importance of being fully prepared for a message. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2 verses 14 through 17, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness and their teaching will spread like gangrene. This text alone shows the vast importance of being well studied uh, for when a message is given in any time the Word of God is expounded. In Paul's day, those who had not been faithful to the proper exposition of God's Word had allowed godless teaching to spread like a virus. Paul used the descriptive term gangrenia, or gangrena, excuse me, meaning gangrene, to illustrate the toxicity that false teaching causes. Gangrene is an infection that spreads to the point that the limb becomes useless and needs to be amputated. If it is not stopped, it will spread, poisoning the entire system. Paul was one who certainly placed a high value on being a well-studied man. 2 Timothy is likely the last letter that Paul wrote before his execution. Even facing the potential of death, Paul placed a high value on his studies as he requested that his friends bring the scrolls, especially the parchments, in 2 Timothy 2.13. The scrolls and parchment were likely Old Testament scriptures along with personal books and writing papers that Paul held in his possession. Number two, a preacher should be well studied for deeper devotions. I attended a leadership seminar in which a CEO asserted that asserted that lead, uh, asserted a leadership principle that is especially pertinent for Christian discipleship. The CEO said, "To be a good leader, you must first learn to be how to be a good follower." He went on to say, "Everyone has to answer to someone. Even as a CEO, I answered to my board members." This is a principle of such magnitude that it cannot be overemphasized. A pastor is not the ultimate authority over the church. Christ is. Even then, Christ, while co-equal with the Father in essence, is under the Father's authority. Thus, God is the ultimate authority of the church. If a pastor is not under, under the direct authority of God, then that pastor is not qualified to lead the church. Understanding this principle makes it even more necessary for a pastor to be well studied. Throughout the pages of Scripture, the biblical writers highlighted the magnitude of one's meditation on God's Word. For instance, Joshua asserts that the book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will observe, or excuse me, then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Joshua 1.8. The psalmist illustrates the importance of being well studied in God's Word when it comes to devotional life and saying, May my meditation be pleasing to Him. I will rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 104, verse 34. The psalmist also states that I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways in Psalm 119, 15. When preachers in the Christian world understand their subjection to the Father's authority, then it becomes even more important to learn from God. The best way to learn from God is to spend time with God 
in God's Word. And the third point is also equally important. The third point is that a preacher should be well studied to answer challenges. I once heard it said that a law enforcement officer loses the right to be out of shape due to the nature of the job. In like manner, I think it should be said that a preacher of God's Word loses the right to be uneducated in the truths of Scripture. By this, I am not saying that everyone should earn a doctor of philosophy or a doctor of ministry as many of our uh, team members possess at Bellator Christi. There is a special calling for that. I am honored to be one of those who were called to pursue higher academia. However, not everyone has that calling and neither should they. Those who pursue postgraduate studies should have a calling to specialize in a particular area so that they can advance scholarship in that area. While not everyone has a calling to specialize in higher academia, everyone does have a calling to prepare themselves so that they can provide an answer to those who ask about their faith. And this is especially pertinent in our time. This is Evangelism 101. Simon Peter admonishes his readers not to fear those who may try to persecute them for their faith. Rather, they should be prepared to answer those who ask about the, their faith, they, the faith they hold so dear. And what has become the apologetic mantra of our day, Peter writes, Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, verses 14-16 How can a person be prepared to give a defense of their faith if they do not know what they believe? And how can they know what to believe if they do not know what the Scriptures teach? And how can they know what the Scriptures teach if they are not well studied in the Scriptures? It seems fairly self-explanatory. So in conclusion, let us say this. Some contend that a person should just rely on the Holy Spirit without any formalized study of God's Word. They will then refer to the Scripture mentioned at the outset of this article where Jesus said that a person should only rely on what the Holy Spirit tells them to say in Luke 12.12. As this article has shown, there are numerous reasons for a preacher and really any saint of God to be well studied in the Word of God. However, two additional points need to be made concerning Luke 12.12. First, Jesus is not speaking about whether a preacher should be prepared for a Sunday sermon. Rather, when the verse is kept in its proper context, one will see that Jesus is referencing what a person says in one's defense if that person is brought to trial for their faith. Jesus taught in the context of the passage, whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. Luke 12, 11-12 Instead of worrying about what you will say, 
A person should instead trust in the Spirit's leadership and direction in the moment of trouble. Nothing in this teaching says anything about a preacher's preparedness for a message. Instead, it speaks to the importance of a person's trust and dependence on God, especially during times of hardship. Even the use of the verse in that manner illustrates the incredible importance of rightly handling the word of truth. Second, early Jews knew nothing about biblical illiteracy. In first century Israel, every boy was required to attend Hebrew school. Rabbis and scribes would regularly commit the entire Old Testament to memory. In Jewish schools, boys would learn Hebrew, memorize scripture, and learn biblical stories. By 75 BC, Rabbi Shimon ben Shittach declared elementary education compulsory for young children. Rabbinic teachers even observed four kinds of learners. The sponge, one who retains everything but is unable to distinguish between true and false points or significant and insignificant information. The funnel, one who lets information go in one ear and out the other. How many of you married men have ever heard your wives say that about you? I know I have. (laughs) The strainer, the one who forgets significant material and retains the unimportant information. And the filter, which is preferred, the one who retains important information and discards that which is unimportant. So in ancient Israel, there was no such thing as a young Jewish person who was not at least partially studied in God's Word. Unfortunately, the level of our biblical training is often subpar compared to the training of our biblical ancestors. Even for those who did not have a formal education, the community afforded an important didactic Uh, using oral traditions. The community made biblical training part of their cultural identity. They would pass along stories from one generation to another. The community ensured that their stories remained intact. Additionally, rabbis, the official teachers of the day, were often expected to have memorized the book from which they were teaching before they could even teach from it. Rabbinical schools moved from the Midrashic stage to the Mishnaic stage before eventually moving to the Talmudic phase. Therefore, the argument that a person should not study the Word of God to proclaim a message finds no accurate parallel in antiquity or in Scripture. In the end, we can simply say that such an accusation is guilty of intellectual laziness at best and spiritual irresponsibility at worst. Our final assessment must be that the idea that a person should not study and prepare oneself to present a biblical message should be wholeheartedly dismissed and rejected. Now, having said that, we need to love those who hold this perspective and winsomely and politely instruct them in the ways of Scripture. But we now more than ever before need to have a firm grasp on Scripture, especially as we find ourselves in a day and time where Christianity is often misconstrued due to political agents and media portrayals. It is my prayer that we all, not only preachers, but every child of God, would be immersed in the Scripture and find the vast importance of being a well-studied child of God. This is Dr. Brian Chilton for the Bellator Christie Podcast saying God bless and we'll see you back on the next episode of our special summertime edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast.
You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristie.com. Have you ever had questions about heaven? Have you ever thought about what we'll do there? Will animals be found in heaven? Are NDEs real? Is heaven only going to include worshiping God through music? Or will we be able to engage in other activities? In my upcoming book, Conversations About Heaven, I reflected on the conversations I had about heaven with a woman who attended a former church I served as pastor. These conversations challenged her to see heaven in a new light. Heaven is a place where our our wildest imaginations will come true and the greatest of possibilities will be brought to actuality. Our conversations about heaven gave this woman peace and comfort that she did not have before. In my upcoming book, Conversations About Heaven, I record our conversations and go deeper into the issues and it is my hope that conversations about heaven will give you the same peace that this saintly woman received. Look for my book, Conversations About Heaven, to hit bookstores very soon. Conversations About Heaven is now available at Wiffenstock.com, Amazon.com, and anywhere that books are sold.